spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Each week we discuss a movie one of us hasn't previously seen, but the other one has. Might be a favorite film, controversial film, or one we can't believe the other hasn't watched, Max. We'll go over the plot of the film in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in Lowdown, and finish up with the Roundup, where we decide if the film was worth seeing, if it's still worth seeing, and if it's worth seeing a second time. I am the first of your hosts, always the first of your hosts, Mike Luce. And I am the fourth of your hosts, Max Levine. And what did you do with two and three? We don't talk about them. Ever. Is, is that like Fight Club? Oh, damn, I said Fight Club. Uh, okay, uh, uh, we'll edit that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we, we yes, you can edit that out, can't you? Uh, uh, right. Um, forget post, keep flailing. <laughs> so, right from our little intro there, we're going to go, without stopping, into our show portion. The show portion. The show Right, show. So, I will give you a brief plot synopsis of this film. It is going to be brief, because really this is a film that is pretty much in the details, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Um, the plot synopsis, based well, on hang the Hang on, you sto- want to tell them oh. what the title is? Oh, right. What movie are we talking about? What, what <laughs> point do we have of that? Santa this and week, the Ice Cream Bunny. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's not a film, that's a crust. Mm. Um, this week on Max Mike Movies... We are talking about the... I actually wrote out the Wild of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street. The Thurston J. Howell the Third story. Uh, no, Wolf of Wall Street. Wild of Wall Street. The hell's wrong with um, The Martin Scorsese pick from a few years ago. Is it still his most recent? Has he done one since then? I thought he had, but I wouldn't swear to it. Okay. All right. Um... Wolf of Wall Street. What's this movie about? It's about three hours. Okay, mm. that's 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 part number one. But the synopsis of the plot is, it is in fact based on a true story. At fact, I had forgotten. Um, this is a movie about the irredeemability of some of humankind. It follows the rise and fall of Jordan Belfort, a penny stock trader who used many shady practices and devious means to amass a huge fortune. Spoiler, he's caught and brought to limited justice. There, that's your plot. Would you agree with that plot? I, I think it's, that's as uh, sum uppy as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I want to say first off that I chose this film for a specific two pair of reasons. I should say a pair of specific reasons. Mm-hmm. One of which is that for his later films, I generally don't care for Martin Scorsese. Oh. Did not like The Aviator. Did not like. He did Gangs of New York, didn't he? Yes, he oh, did. he certainly did. Did not like Gangs in New York. Just generally, uh-huh. his later films don't care for them. Hmm. And along with that, for most of his more recent films, I don't care for Leonardo DiCaprio. I often think that he's miscast um, for films such as Aviator and some films such as Inception. Just don't think he's the right actor. I don't think he's a bad actor. In fact, I think he's done some amazing performances. I just don't generally believe him in those roles. This film... Regardless of what else it depicts, I think is very well made and has a really good performance by DiCaprio. I think he fits the role just fine. I'd agree with both of those things. Let's go into some trivia, and I will have to say, there's a lot of trivia for this film. I would bet. Yeah. Uh, Based on the true story of Jordan Belfort, who was not only consulted for the film, but he appears (laughs) at the end. Really? Uh, Yes, he does. He introduces... At the very end of the film, it shows... 
Belfort in his new role as motivational speaker in, I think it's Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. And as he's about to come on stage, the person that is introducing him is Belfort. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So he, he might have thought that was a little odd because it's like, well, if they're in Auckland, why does he have an American accent? And that's why. Oh. Um, and we're going to get into him a little bit later, too. But Matthew McConaughey, mm. who is in the film for approximately 10 minutes, ad-libbed that chest-pounding thing that we see. That's actually a, an acting exercise that he had been seen to do on set. Scorsese and DiCaprio saw him do it and thought, you know, we should work that into the film. I wondered what that was because I look in the credits and it's listed as the money chant. Yeah, it's apparently just something he does to warm up. Huh, okay. Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, his fee for this film took up approximately 25% of the budget, which oh, in this brother. case was $25 million. That was the whole Joe budget? Or that, wait, that was his portion or the whole budget? That was his, the whole budget was $100 million. Wow, okay. And if you see this film, you can see where they spent it because there's not a cheap moment in the movie. No. Uh, that being said, he gets a quarter of that. <laughs> Jonah Hill, on the other hand, mm-hmm. who was desperate to work with Scorsese, had to take scale and he got $60,000. Cheap at twice the price. I honestly think... Well, we may disagree, but we'll get to Jonah Hill later. But um, I hope that he got some sort of bonus afterwards, because I think he honestly deserved it. But um, the film, which cost $100 million, and is not the kind of film you would think of as a big blockbuster, rake-it-in kind of film, brought in worldwide almost $400 million. Ooh. Yeah. Um, the film was scripted, but Scorsese claims that most of it was improvised, which I guess is something that he does a lot on his films. Yeah. One of the most fun scenes that was improvised was the scene where all of the sort of second-level players of uh, Stratford Oakmont are brought in and questioned by the FBI, and every question they're asked, I do not recall. No, oh, I don't recall that. All that... of that, they just said, look, say whatever you want as long as you don't give anything away for your character. Just just do it. And apparently there was hours of stuff and people were rolling on the floor. <laughs> like, oh, can, are you going to finish that crawler? Are you going to uh, that Danish? I like are you going to finish that? I got I to gotta ask you, is that is that your real hair? Why, why would you ask me that? Why would you ask me that? That's a, that we're asking personal questions now? Why, why would you wear something like that? <laughs> That was Rugrat. <laughs> um, holds a world record for the most expletives in a single film with over 600. I have no trouble believing that. <laughs> the F word alone is said 569 times. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, yeah. Belfort himself claims that the, his role model for his life was Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. They even mention him. It's mentioned in the movie. Someone says is the it... guy thinks you're f***ing Gordon Gecko. Yeah, well, apparently... <gasps> I'm going to have to bleep that out. You said the oh, wrong word. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll beep it. I am um, deeply shamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you should, because I've never heard you say such things. It's a quote. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll just insert quote marks in our yeah. audio track. Yeah. So you can do that, work. right? Yeah, that, 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 a feature that of absolves that. us of all crime. Yep, yep. Yeah, so apparently Gordon Gecko. I have not seen Wall Street, but apparently that character is what made Jordan Belfort do what he did. The ca- yeah, uh, Gordon Gecko is a character based on the real-life uh, Ivan Bosky, the, basically the lord, the lord master of insider trading, the guy who brought down, basically who helped bring down the, a lot of the uh, stock trading houses in, oh, the late, in the 80s. <laughs> good. What a good role model. He's the guy who said greed is good. Right, and they, they mm. yeah. Uh 
strangely or not strangely unfortunately uh, to keep this movie in the r rating territory which it pretty much barely makes mm. uh one of the scenes that they had to really tone down was the gay sex scene because of course you can't see guys stuff because right because uh, that's fans... much dirtier i know it, this yeah. happens a lot they did yeah. the same thing when it was one of the earlier films we talked about eyes wide shut it's mm. like uh oh guy stuff quick uh put in a digital guy in a cape we can... <laughs> i'd rather see batman than guy stuff <laughs> <That's> so, that... <coughs> well excuse me that's all right. It's kind of what that was. was that still was that still kills me. That it is okay in an R rating to show full female nudity, but many full male many nud- times, many times, but full male nudity is an automatic X rating. Yep. Yeah. Gee, I wonder who decided that. Yeah. Could it be yeah. old white guys? Yeah. It could, could be. Could be. Oh, could be. I, did you you saw the movie The Watchmen in the theaters? Didn't you? Yep. Yep. Did your theater groan as soon as Doctor Manhattan came out? Because mine did. <laughs> no, I don't think so. All the white guys in the audience were like, ah, ah blue junk. I can't see blue junk. <laughs> you didn't, nobody liked to see the little Doc Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing is, if you looked at it, because of course, you know, you know there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, it doesn't move like that. No, anyway. no well, well, neither did he. Forgot He was, he was well, a, a cartoon, basically. It could have been worse. It could have been Beowulf, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, uh, no. The, the CG animated Anthony Hopkins ass. Uh, <laughs> my film credits for CG include Anthony Hopkins ass and Doctor Manhattan's junk. Yeah, yep, those those are the things you put right at the top of the resume. And the last two points are mm. connected. The film was privately financed, which allowed Scorsese mm. to make the film as he saw, which was sex filled and as close to an R rating as possible without going over. Interestingly, one of the production companies that helped make the film was brought up on charges of misappropriation of funds from a Malaysian economic fund, bringing some real reality to this film. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. One of the... yeah, there was an article about the fact that this company had given Leo some some gifts, which mm-hmm. included, let's see, I think it was, was it On the Waterfront? I think it was Brando's Oscar for On the Waterfront. Wow. And un, yeah, and some unmentioned paintings. So they're like, oh, we like you here, have this, considering that we don't really own this money. <laughs> uh, yeah, $60 million, so like more than half the budget was Dang. came from stolen funds. Yeah. So that's what I have for trivia. Did you look anything up? or uh, It's okay if you didn't. No, no, I didn't. The only thing I, I thought was was interesting, or the thing that jumped out, was the car. When there's a scene when Jordan and uh, Donnie are freaked out on this p- bizarre kind of quaalude I'd never heard of called Lemons, right? And he is driving this thing that looks like it drove out a speed racer, and apparently it's a Lamborghini Con- Countach. Gonna... Is that how do you pronounce it? Yes, Countach. Countach. Oh, because yeah. it's spelled like Countach. <laughs> yes. And uh, this thing apparently was such a race car, it doesn't meet U.S. safety standards. No, you had to have special bumpers for it just to be in the U.S. Mm. But that car is just wild. And it really does. You've never seen one before? I'd never seen one. I I think I've only seen a Lamborghini a couple of times in movies. That's like the 80s supercar. Like, Uh. if you were, like, wanting to spend loads of cash in the 80s and you wanted to have the car that you know, got attention, hmm. so to speak, the kind of attention that you see all through this film, oh, yeah. then you would buy a Lamborghini Countach. Hmm. Uh, and white is a very conservative color for that car. I often saw it in bright lime green or, of course, you know, like Ferrari red. Yeah, I know. Uh, lime but the Countach was like king of that kind of opulence <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So, well, that's all we have for the show portion. Let's go right into the lowdown. The 
Lowdown. The Lowdown. Max, yes. uh, you had not seen this film ahead of time. Never saw you it. The, right. So what kept you from seeing it? I'm not sure. A part of it was I'd seen movies like this in in Wall Street and a couple of others, and they're always... They're usually really interesting, but they're also really annoying because you despise the characters so much. Right. And yet, I, I remember my mother talking about one of the greatest movies this country's ever produced, which you have not seen, The Godfather. That is true. And she remembers just being so angry at the end of it because she felt so manipulated. It's like, they get you to care about these murderers these professional career criminals, and you actually care about what happens to them. And it's kind of that way in this sort of movie, and it's a little like that in this, although it's not. It's a lot harder to sympathize or care about J Jordan Belfort or any of his Mouseketeers. That, but you I, come I'm going close. to agree with you. You come close. Um, I... I'm going to say that I really didn't. Um, mm. I was still mad at him at the end of the film because it's like, oh, I was terrible and horrible, and then I was a rat to my friends, mm. and then I only spent... Of course, in the film, they say he was in jail for 36 months, but it was only 22 in real life. Figured he got and, out early, yeah. Yeah, for good behavior, who knows. Mm. But now I'm going to embark on a career being a motivational speaker and selling books and stuff, and... Yeah, it's like, um, you're not punished enough because mm. you're horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can see not one. I, I, I think I got talked into seeing this movie by my buddy the Weasel. And mm -hmm. hey, Weasel, you just got mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> and Weasel occasionally is good at ferreting out. Okay, see what I did there? He's <laughs> occasionally good at ferreting out films that I would generally not want to see and end up liking. Mm -hmm. uh, two other examples of this were Fantastic Mr. Fox mm -hmm. and The Hangover. Both ah. films I would not have seen otherwise, but he's like, no, no, you gotta go see... Actually, and the Lego movie. Didn't want to go see the Lego movie. Loved the Lego movie. <laughs> that one's so much so, fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so he was like, for some reason, let's go see Wolf of Wall Street. And it's like, well, eh, Scorsese, DiCaprio, Boo, Hiss, oh, all right, I'll go. And mm. again, we'll get to the, 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 the liking part at the end, but I had to be impressed because it was a film that I respected. Let's go with that far. Mm -hmm. But I can see why you would say, I don't want to see movie about horrible people, especially <laughs> if I care about them. No, no, no. Uh, I don't think that's the case in this film. I think they do a perfectly good job of depicting him as being a horrible... Actually, everybody in the film, except perhaps the FBI agent, uh, <laughs> as being a horrible person uh, in one way or another and really not having any sympathy for them. Yeah, yeah, I think that fits. Um, one of the things that I that I am impressed by this film is it is long. Yeah, but it, it doesn't is... feel long. It's... No, it doesn't. It's very well paced. It's three hours. Apparently, there was a director's cut that was four hours. Oh, God. I know. I know that with even more cocaine, hookers, and debauchery. Yeah, and it's like, what more could they show? Seriously. It's like, after a while, you're like, no want see more sex, hurt head. <laughs> <laughs> now, that um, is, I mean, that is a gift that Scorsese has. He can do, and I know you don't like the later ones, but he does this in Gangs in New York. He's done it before. He can direct really long, sprawling movies, and the pacing is so good, you don't feel it. It doesn't feel like three hours. 
I the only time the only reason I was even looking at the clock this time is that I watched this yesterday before going to work and I wanted to make sure I had enough time because mm-hmm. I felt if I split up the viewing of it that I would diminish my response to it. Mm-hmm. So even though I'd seen it before, I saw it when it, when it came out in the theater, which yeah, mm-hmm. um, I won't ask. It's kind of hard to avoid asking if you liked it, but um, did you Go feel ahead. dirty? <laughs> A little bit, but in the, I thought I think this is a terrific movie. I think it's it's great on every level. It works. It's one of those movies again where you hate everyone and yep. want you know large objects to fall on them, but it's so well done and they're all so believable. Yes. They aren't cartoonish. They aren't two dimensional. No. And and some of the casting just freaked me out. Like Rob Reiner, Mister Sweetheart, <laughs> Meathead. As Mad Max Belfort, as this, I'm supposed to buy Rob Reiner as this guy with a hair trigger temper and violent tendencies, but he pulled it off. He pulled it off, and he. Hmm? The best part is when he first shows up, I didn't recognize him, even though I'd seen the film before. I'd forgotten who he was I, right away. Like, I thought, wow. is that meathead? <laughs> who is this dangerously unbalanced person? Yeah, the, and, wh- and what was the huge, film he was watching? Dangerously unbalanced. He's a. T- you forget how big Rob Reiner is. He's very tall and very physical. He has immense physical presence. What was the the TV show he was watching? Uh, he was watching The Equalizer. The Equalizer. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Well, I did not know this. So it apparently has a very young Steve Buscemi in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. I just knew it was, uh, what is it? Edward Fox, I think, was the star. No, I don't remember yeah. anything about it, but apparently it was the show to watch back in 1989. Oh, yeah. I, like, I watched that show a lot. <laughs> oh, really? I remember nothing about it. Yeah. Um, as you pointed out, or, or we both pointed out, his pacing is really good, and the movie certainly starts with a bang. Literally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Starts, it really just throws you in. It just throws you right in. Liter- literally, because it starts yeah. off with a sequence of dwarf tossing. Yeah. God. I mean, and right away, and that, it's such a brilliant move, because instantly you go, I hate these people. Yes. Look at the way they're treating these... And when... The, the sequence that comes later in the movie where they're talking about hiring these little people and they're yes. talking about them like they're animals. Like, okay, as long as we don't call them people and listen well, to you know, you don't make eye contact. Yeah, Look don't make eye contact. Chair. It confuses them. <laughs> They'll sense fear. They'll go right for your eyes. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, Apparently, that was one of the few points that was contested as having not happened. They said that they didn't actually toss any little people, and they were treated like people. But it's like, well, you know, we had them in the office, but we didn't. And it's like, oh, come on. Really? It's like, well, we did the coke, but we weren't mean to little people. It's like, okay. Okay, yeah, you guys are you guys are goddamn saints. Look at this. Yeah, you know? yeah we did coke. We had hookers all over the place. We sexually harassed any female we got near. But we, we did, didn't. We, we did we coke all over to, the hookers. We were not mean to the little people. Yeah, uh, something that no, no, we don't. We want that straight on the record. We weren't mean to little people. Sure, you weren't. Okay, yeah, and as you just pointed out, this film is basically one big parade of misogyny. So, get, oh, you know, Lord. if you if you can't get past that, if you, I mean, here's the thing I have against it is I don't like seeing women treated 
as secondary, and that's all this film does. Mm. Every single female character in here, at some point, is treated secondarily or like a thing. But on the other hand, a, yeah, on the other hand, that's a really it's of I think a pretty accurate depiction of the way women were treated. I mean, especially by these people. Yeah, in that particularly so, in that professional setting, it's it's unbelievable, but it's real. Yeah, I didn't see anybody contesting that part either. Uh, or the drugs, actually. With the few quotes I saw by Belfort, it's like, not only, yeah, I did that, but he would also coach Leo, because apparently Leo is very straight when it comes mm. to drugs. And he was like, no, no, I was like this when I was high. You should, no, no, more like that. No, no, more like this. Drool he, more, you know, stuff like that. He did a hell of a <laughs> job because DiCaprio's depiction of when he's on the drugs is frighteningly on target. That oh, whole... and how would you know, Max? I used to hang around with people who did a lot of that. Oh, see, I've, and... I, I have no experience with it, but well, also you got to remember, we both went to the same high school, and that place. Was I don't happy. know what you're talking about. The... the high school I went to was fully clean, and no one ever did anything or swear or anything. The remarkable yeah. thing about our high school was there was a lot of drug activity, and there was like zero peer pressure. If you no. just wanted to find out about it, people were perfectly happy to sit down and talk to you about, oh yeah, so this is what happens if you take acid, or this is what it's like if you're on crank. And like, uh, do you want any? No, no, thanks. Okay, that's fine. Now here's what happens when... Yeah. I, 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 I literally, really cool. uh, over three years, I had one person ask me if I wanted to buy loose joints, <laughs> which I said no to, partially because I didn't know what they were. Um <laughs> Well, no, I, of course I do, but that was it, and that was—I think it was senior year. Somebody actually, said, hey, do you want to buy some loose joints? No, oh, okay, and off they wandered. That was I, it. I always liked the way people reacted. It was like, hey, you want to smoke some? Oh, uh, no, thanks. Oh, cool, you can drive. Hey, guys, Max can drive. <laughs> You're one of your favorite activities. Driving. Oh yeah. Well, I'd rather do. I would at that point. I would rather do that. I was scared of the rest of the stuff. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, <laughs> but the amount yeah. they do—it's like Hunter S. Thompson quantities of drugs. Yep. Stuff and I'd never heard of. Lemons? Well, so, I mean, I guess according to that, there was a specific yeah, like a, brand name of Quaalude that yeah. was whatever. Oh, uh, which apparently was true. That was that was also true. He said, oh yeah, we did that. That sequence where he's trying to leave the country club and the lemons <laughs> suddenly kick in and he's taken like three times the recommended dose because these were very old and they had like a 90 right. minute delay. Yep. Watching him just try to get to his car... Yep. It is. You cannot look away. It's the. It's. It, it's. Oh God! It's like almost Jerry Lewis esque in the physical aspect, but there's nothing funny about it. It's fascinating and it's disturbing. Trying to open the car doors with his feet, he can't yep. walk, so he's trying to crawl, and he can't remember how to do that. And then yep. he actually drives the car. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, I like. See, I I'd forgotten that, that sequence too, because it's like, oh look, I got home fine, and no one was hurt, and the car's in perfect shape. It's like, no, you were high, and yeah, you hit everything. They, the cops take him out, and his car has been destroyed, and he's, he apparently hit everything possible on the way home, and it's a damn miracle he didn't murder somebody, right, including oh, himself. Good. Uh, yeah, there's very there's, effective. Not only was it effective, but. The one thing I will say that Scorsese does exceedingly deftly in this film is twofold. One, he shows ultra depravity, mm. and he doesn't shy away from it. The only time he shies away is if it would get him that NC-17 rating, which he did not want. Right. But he's willing to show characters doing abominable things. Terrible and thing. then he's able to inject little bits of humor to basically say to the audience, okay, it's okay, let's take a breath. 
okay, laugh. Now we'll go back and do some more depravity. And it's like, it's, it's kind of a necessary, I don't know if it's a necessary relief, no, but it's it is really well done. Otherwise it's just this, it's so dreary. It's this unending, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's like watching a Roman orgy, except that it lasts for like eight years. Right. And so just I, the I, weird little bits, like when, again, they're on the lemons and Donnie and Jordan are back at his house and Jordan is stuffing cold cuts into his face. Sorry, Donnie is. And he starts choking. Yeah. And Jordan is trying to help him, but he can't even stand up. And he, while well, he, he's looking at the TV that's on, and a Popeye cartoon is on. And that was he's in watching, my notes. He's watching Popeye do, taking his spinach, and you're hearing the, the classic music. And he pulls out a vial of cocaine, and he's looking at it, and you can just see it in his head. This is my spinach. Yeah, and, and it's like okay, oh. that's an interesting metaphor for cocaine. You part of you sit there and goes, you know, I never thought of it like that before, but it kind of makes sense. Mm. So, um, yeah, Popeye's dirty. God, <laughs> and and just again, as you say, the excess, the that sequence where he's where Jordan is having sex with his wife, uh, Naomi, on a bed covered in stacks of hundred dollar bills. Yeah, apparently that is as every bit uncomfortable as you would think. I, I read that was one of the things get... I read. Margot Robbie was complaining, who played Naomi, was right. complaining that she got paper cuts all over her back from, right. from the money. So, so, folks out there, if you would like to have sex on money, use old bills. Yeah, yeah. Run them through the and, dryer a few times. Get them nice and soft. And don't stack them. No, don't stack <laughs> just, them. Just toss. Don't yeah. stack. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just a little it's bit of... It's not necessary, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a little tip here from Max Mike Movies. Mm-hmm. Toss, like, don't stack. Yep. We like to Maybe think we're, we're doing good work here. <laughs> that'll be our byline, Max Mike <laughs> Movies. Toss, don't, don't stack. stack. <laughs> yeah, well, you, that, that'll be, all the kids will be saying that. We'll have t-shirts and everything. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, sweet. All rights reserved, trademark, etc. <laughs> so another little piece of trivia connected to that, uh, the choking scene is, mm. and this is where you really understand the true meaning of movie magic. They had to shoot the scene where he somehow by giving CPR manages to get him to cough up the, mm. the cold cuts 70 times because oh, the cold cuts would not stick to Leo's face. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> imagine 70 times having that. It's actually apparently was flicked off a spoon, Jonah but having Hill. cold cuts. Well, he wasn't in like the actual shot. Uh-huh. The shot of, of when you're looking up at Leo and oh, he's getting okay. cold cuts. That's yeah. when they flick the cold cuts into his face. Okay. Yes, but apparently they had to use the cold cuts with Vaseline because it wouldn't stick, and that was <laughs> necessary for the shot 70 uh, times. Wow. So, yeah, and we, we thought that uh, Stanley Kubrick was a perfectionist, so <laughs> let's go back to the ham. Um, so... Oh couple other things in here uh and i wasn't sure about this but it was in fact the case there's one scene where we see the outside of where jordan belfort is supposed to be living and i was like yeah. is that trump tower yes it is oh oh i Which missed that okay i thought was a nice little underline to our current um uh-huh. political situation mm-hmm. uh, you can say what you want about it i just thought oh that's interesting because of course the movie was made before yeah. our current political situation, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Madden, I was wondering, because when I said, when I was watching this film, I'd forgotten that this was based heavily on a true story. It's like, is Steve Madden a thing? Did they make that up? Yeah, he actually is a, a real shoe magnate, I guess. I kept thinking uh, of the football game. 
You know, the video well, game. Well, that's... That Madden that's, football, but I know that's right. not Steve Madden. I think that's somebody no. else Madden. I've uh, never heard of Steve Madden. Well, Max and I... <laughs> Max and I being big sports fans. Oh, yeah. Of course we know Madden's first name. Everybody knows his first name. Doug? Um, Bob? I don't know. Irving? No. Uh, that's it. It's Irving Madden, NFL 2018. Oh, okay. Nice uh, one, Irv. Don't write us. We don't know <laughs> sports and we don't care. Mm. Not only is he, is he a real deal, um, mm. the IPO thing was also true. Oh, it was. Okay. Do you know who played him in the film? He looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. He was, I forget his first name, I'm sorry, but it's uh, Dustin Hoffman's kid. Jake, Abby? I think it's Jake. No, no, I think it's Jake Hoffman. Oh. I, I should get this right. That's terrible. What a, what a bad yeah, host Jake I Hoffman. am. Jake Hoffman, you're right. Oh. I am right? Okay, good. I got it right. Then I'm a good host. <laughs> uh, he apparently is real childhood friends of Jonah Hill. Oh, okay. So, interesting. Those characters, the real people, were friends, and the actors who played them were childhood friends so wow okay that's that's just odd <laughs> worked that's out a, i mean who knows yeah. maybe maybe jonah hill uh, recommended him i don't hmm. know so one of the other things that i really liked about the character study was the dichotomy of the controller and being controlled most specifically hmm. in the scenes with venus i'm not sorry not venus venice venice so, the dominatrix yeah and him in the car with his private investigator who is telling Belfort what to do when he's alone and how to mm. act and don't talk to these people. He was the real guy, by the way. That was the actual detective? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But I like that because it's wow. you see all through the film, there is Leo's character, Jordan Belfort, is this presence. Whenever he's in a room, people are all watching him. They want to know what he's oh, going to yeah. say. And he is... He is Newt Rockney, like really working up the troops to go out there and and win tennis or whatever he did. Yeah, those inspirational football. speeches he did when he does the whole introducing Steve Madden. Yeah, I, all I could think was, my God, this is like the St. Crispin's Day speech for stockbroke for stock traders. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I'm and you know, I'm I'm assuming that some of this was based on reality, but Leo really pulls that charismatic rabble-rousing off really well. I have mm. to give him a lot of credit for this. Again, I don't generally like his performances, but this one, this is one of the reasons I, I chose think, this movie. I think he's a remarkable actor, and I think he's done a lot of really good stuff. He has. I generally find they tend to be... Again, I think he's miscast. I don't like mm. him in a lot of things. But there's been some real standout performances, one of which was, as I think is a film that you have not seen, which was Basketball Diaries. It was a no, long time ago. No, I didn't see ago. that. No, I never did It that. is a... Hmm? is a really hard film to watch, but I thought he was really good in it. Oh, okay. I thought he was good in... I actually liked him in Catch Me If You Can. I yep, thought he was I, perfectly good. A very underrated Steven Spielberg film. Yep, a lot of I people think, didn't see it. Too bad. Yep, he was great as Frank Abagnale. I liked that a lot. And uh, I liked him in Inception. I thought he was very understated. And I, I even him. liked him... I mean, I don't particularly like the movie Titanic, but I thought he did a good job in it. Except he was <laughs> outacted by the ship. I, I, I didn't see it six times in the theater. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, so your yeah, heart went on. Did it? Uh, oh God, I hate that song. I <laughs> hate, hate, hate Peter Pan. Um, I, I, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, I, I like Titanic. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't you, even you mind and Billy most Zane of the planet. I just, I find it annoying. I think it's painfully manipulative, but it's beautiful to look at. It's back when I could like James Cameron, because I can't like him anymore. 
So, yeah, but I like that dichotomy. I liked mm. him. I'm in control. I'm in control. And then there's these little, and there's, I think those are the only two I can think of in particular where he is really not in control and is handing the reins to somebody else specifically was Venice and his private investigator. And he's really like, well, what, do I, what do I do? Or in her case, it's like, no, don't do that safe word. And she's like, what safe word? Smack, candle wax. Yeah, uh, except he doesn't. The detective is screaming at him, don't you... Don't talk to the FBI. Don't bring them in. Don't. And the next scene. Don't you. No. Don't you. No. No. Yeah. No. He's like talking no. to a cat. Nope. Bad. Bad Jordan. No. Don't There's push like the glass off the or, counter. Exactly. <laughs> cup on the counter. The cat's just like. Have you seen? There's a little video yeah. online somewhere. And instead of a cat, they, somebody has done CG of a velociraptor. <laughs> And it's doing the same thing, and it's like it's like there's a bo- there's like a bowl of Cheetos or something, and he's like, no, and the Velociraptor is giving him that Velociraptor look, and it's looking at him, he's like, no, no, and then finally the little hand comes out, and it's like, no, don't you put, don't, and then swipe, and off goes the bowl, and the Velociraptor, of course, is looking right at him like, what? Perfect. <laughs> but in in the car though. He's taking on the role of, I'm going to listen to you. He doesn't take the advice, but in the car, he is asking somebody else for advice. He's saying, what do you think? I What should I do? He's asking somebody else. And I like the fact that there was a couple of moments to show that there was, it added depth to me. Let's put it that way. I liked that. I mean, he, he's out of control so often. He's such a creature of impulse. Yep. The, the scene that that got me was when they're getting on the plane to Switzerland, and they're obviously all high out of their minds. <laughs> and they have he wakes up and he turns out he they had to strap him to his seat because the captain came out and tased him, or was was going to he almost oh, tased him. Okay, they're like they're tying. They had to literally tie him up. He spends the whole flight strapped to the seat. That was one of the scenes that made me go: Is there really that much money? Because if it was a private plane, I could totally see that the captain be like, oh, dear gods, well, at least they're paying me a huge, you know, fortune to, to fly this thing. But that was an actual, like, Swiss Air or, or Lufthansa. I think it was Lufthansa. you got to remember, it's this like, was pre-9-11. There were no, you know, sky marshals on the planes. You could do no. all kinds of shit and just get, excuse me, my language, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe you'd get a slap on the wrist when you got off. But, I mean, I've, there's been people before 9-11 that were thrown off planes for bad behavior and that was i mean he was like what he had the way they, that he was physically treating the stewardesses mm-hmm. was like that should have gotten him off the plane uh that was the one scene that i looked at and go really um uh, i can believe he's that high but could he have gotten away with that because uh, they hadn't left the ground yet they hadn't mm-hmm. closed the door so i don't know but yeah that was yeah that was a scene yeah it, it's interesting when you talk about the way the women are portrayed and the women are dealt with what did you think of what do you think of Margot Robbie's character, Naomi, his wife? We don't get to see the depth of her that we get to see of most of the men. No, but I thought this was again one of the old, the second movie I've seen where I looked at Margot Robbie and thought, you know, she can act. She's actually really good. What else has she been in? Uh well, Suicide Squad, but that's that wasn't uh, the movie. The one that got me was I Tanya. Oh, I didn't see that. That well, we might have to do that one. That's she does a a remarkable job in that movie, and she really is good at playing that sort of barely leashed energy. This just someone who's practically vibrating when they're standing in place. When the scene where the first time they sleep together, when he she brings him up to her apartment, 
and he's trying to light a fire and wondering, you know, how am I, you know, how am I going to get this girl in bed? And she walks out naked. Right. She wasn't supposed to be naked. Corsese said, you know, we're going to have you wear a towel. And she said, no, that's not what she would do. I think so, it was a robe, but yeah, 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 that's true. That was her choice. Then she lied about it to her family. It's like, oh no, it's my head plastered on a stunt double. And then <laughs> just before the film came out, she basically said, yeah, now it's me. Yeah. So, and you know, I had... Hats off to women that can just go and do that. I couldn't do that. I mean, I mean, for one thing, I don't think anyone would want to see that. But you never see guys doing that. Or if they are actually nude on the set, we don't know because the camera never goes there. Yeah. So that she just bears all and is it was her choice. I, I definitely have to, to respect that. I can't tell if I think she's a really good actress because it's one role. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't tell. Yeah. So for me, you know, we talked about this on our opening show, Eyes Wide Shut, the first film I had seen uh, Kidman in, mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman, and I thought she was a terrible actress. Like, she acts like she's high all the time. What, what's there? And then, of course, later on, it's like, no, I really like her. She has a much bigger range than I would have thought. Mm. So I didn't have any fault with her performance. I just can't tell how good an actress she is from this. Yeah. Her part also, we don't get to see a lot of her. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't get to see a lot <laughs> of, the character. Quite a bit no, of her. Wait, how do I put this? We see all of her, yeah. but we don't get to, to delve into her character that that much. No, mostly what she does is react. She's she reacts to him and what he does, and she's there as sort of an attempt at normality because you know she at least has certain priorities about the family and children and right. You know, like okay, this is not how you behave around your your newborn child. This is not how you behave when you find that a relative has died. Right. We also have to assume that she knows something of what's going on. She mm -hmm. has to. Whether it's his philandering, his drug use, or that he's making money in not strictly legal ways. Mm -hmm. So I don't I didn't read anything that suggested she was brought up any charges. I don't believe, at least according to the movie, that she had any idea what the machinations were. I don't think she knew any details. But she must have at least suspected. And, you know, in her case, this is where I said that basically nobody in this film's any, except maybe the FBI agent. Maybe. Maybe. That no, nobody here is a, is, is a wonderful human being. Well, she must have known something when she's helping them, you know, tape cash to this right. woman's body so they can smuggle oh. it to Switzerland. Right. And it's her aunt. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know who I know who's got uh, a passport to Europe? My aunt. She'll do it. <laughs> mm. Apparently one of the people that was originally up for that role for the aunt was yeah. Julie Andrews. Oh my God, that would have been hilarious. Because I, I, uh, Joanna Lumley, I thought, did a really good job. She did a great job. I love the scene where it's like, is she hitting on me? Is he hitting on me? And it's like, because the audience thinks, I think they're hitting on each other. Yeah. And it turns out that neither of them is. Right, they're just sort of trying to figure out the other one. That was, I mean, no, I'm, not, I'm not hitting on you, I'm just British. <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> no, it's I'm not hitting on you, I'm just Joanna Lumley. That's how I talk. Yes. Uh, I thought that the other, one of the other things that I like, speaking of, of contrasts, was the contrast of having money and having class. Mm. And I don't mean class as in upper class, middle class, lower class. I mean class, like... Being polite, showing respect, having some sort of taste. Knowing as how to behave to... like a civilized person. Right. And in this case, it was like, yes, you can have all the money in the world and none of the class. Yeah. 
That's certainly and true. I mean, with that with that group, I don't know if there's any points in this this person's life where they caused a huge scene and were going to be thrown out or something, and they threw cash at it and said, "No, no, it's fine." But I could see it happen. Oh, I'm sure that they did. I mean. <laughs> The weekend in Vegas that they talk about, I think it's his bachelor <laughs> well, party, the weekend yep. that cost $2 million. Yeah. And that included, as he said, refurbishing the entire 28th floor of the hotel. Yes. That was clearly, he didn't get arrested for destruction of property. He threw money at it. Yeah. It's all over the place. That's and that what, would be a lack of class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the issues I did have... One of the probably the only issue, and it's very small, and I can't help but notice it. Forgive me, mm-hmm. but Leo's accent has its tides. Yeah, it comes yeah, and it slips. Goes. It comes and goes. It's clearly not his natural accent, and no, it does. It does fade in and out. That is absolutely true. And when he has it, it sounded fine. Mm-hmm. I had no problem believing. Now I'm not a New Yorker, so I'm sure there are native New Yorkers that could say, "Oh no, 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 he was not from." You know, Burrow X. He was mm-hmm. that wasn't even close. I, I it's like when he was in the Departed, and it was like, <laughs> oh, Leo, you've been to Logan Airport once, isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, nobody except Mark Wahlberg could do a, a Boston accent in that movie. Wasn't Martin, uh, Matt Damon in that movie? Yeah, oh, that's true. He he did one. Yeah, I mean, because he can. And right. Martin well, Matt Sheen Damon tried, but he he sounded. And again, this is something New Englanders know. It's like that's not a Boston accent. That's New. That's New Hampshire or Vermont. That's Northern New England. Or, or they start sounding like a Kennedy. Yeah. And it's like okay. So here's something, just so you know, mm. nobody speaks like the Kennedys. Nobody. Nobody. No one knows where that accent came from. It's not Boston Brahmin. It's not Boston Irish. It is a Kennedy accent. They are the only yes. ones who ever, who ever had that sort of odd talking way. You know, up through the nose. That weird. Speech that just kept uh, going and uh, going. Yeah. That's weird staccato, sort of. I don't Maybe know where that Maybe it's a Martha's Vineyard from. thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I will tell you as as a native New Englander that it is an accent that is exceedingly hard to do. Yeah. I grew up in the greater Boston area. I can't do it. And it is immediately noticeable when you can't. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and it's really and Jack sad. Nicholson in the deposit, and Jack Nicholson in the deposit said, I'm not doing anything. Give me my money. Yeah, pretty much. Jack Nicholson said... <laughs> I can't do a Boston accent, so I'm not going to pretend. And I, I respected that. It's like, good, okay. Because yeah. nothing sounds more hollow and more awful than a bad Boston accent. One of the Cliff Clavin, movies... I'm looking right at yes. you. Yes, the, the extreme example, and it's the best, is Cliff from Cheers. Ugh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Nami. It's like, oh, God, stop. You're hurting me. <laughs> Where have you been? Have you left Los Angeles? Yeah. I don't know ever been oh, well. east of the rockies come on yeah the one of the only movies by the way that actually has a lot of really good believable boston accents is mystic river sean penn <laughs> tim robbins those guys they even kevin bacon did a really uh, did at, really good boston I'm, accents i'm gonna add another to that list i'm gonna say mm-hmm. the fighter had uh, uh i haven't pretty... seen that Ooh, maybe we should do that. Oh, it's okay. one of Mark Wahlberg's better roles, and Christian Bale is really good in it, and oh. he can do a Boston accent. <laughs> but mm, anyway. that's Christian Bale. Apparently, he can do anything. Hey, think, speaking of accents and speaking, one thing that kind of threw me a little, uh, although I still think it worked, was the odd narrative techniques. I mean, Leo, and I say Leo, or you know, Jordan, would break the fourth wall periodically and just start talking yep. to the camera, or... We'd hear in his head, or what, sometimes the other character's head. Uh, one of 
I thought a, a great scene is where he is being introduced to a Swiss banker. Right. And they, they're, you know, sort of feeling each other out verbally. And every so often you hear inside their heads. You know, it's like, is that what you're saying to me, you Swiss beep? It's like, <laughs> yes, that is what I am saying to you, you American beep. <laughs> there was a point of it as if the entire film is Jordan Belfort trying to sell you on him. Hmm. Huh. And that's kind of how that works. Except it, no, that doesn't work. I don't want to be Jordan. By the end of that movie, hell, within the first 10 minutes, I don't want to be Jordan Belfort. I don't think it's selling you on being him. I think it's selling you on watching his story and giving him the benefit of the doubt at the end of it, which I uh, still don't. Yeah. Or at least... Just sit back. You'll be entertained. It'll be fine. Just you'll be fine. All right. Just just all right. Just no 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 no. So here this pot here. So I'll be. See, I'm kind of dirty here, but I'm okay over here. So I think that's what it is. I think it's meant to be a sort of a very late night R-rated infomercial. Yeah. In a Except way. there, and and I guess I got to admire it because he puts some things in there that really show you what a wretched person he was. Yes. The sequence. Toward the end, where his wife is telling him she's going to leave and take the kids. So what does he do? He's been clean for two years. He rips out a sack of cocaine, gets massively high, grabs his daughter, throws her in the car, and tries to drive away with her. And immediately, of course, crashes the car. Almost, you right. know, theoretically seriously hurting his daughter. He doesn't, but that's yeah. like, wow, okay, nope. That, you just threw away pretty much your character's redeemability. You, you endangered a child, you, you absolute wretch. I do appreciate that the film does not try to redeem him. No, they it don't. really doesn't. Yeah, you're not. I don't. I wasn't left with the feeling that I'm supposed to like this person or admire no. him or even forgive him. And that motivational scene at the end of the film, mm. my feeling was he's looking them over, going, "I got money from you. I got money from. Yeah. I'm not going to teach you anything." I did like that. The way it's sort of a, a bookend that sell me this pen, which right. is a famous, a famous line. I don't know if he originated it. I know I it's an know. acting exercise also, but because that, it, near the beginning, where he's rounding up his first crew of, well, let's face it, sleaze bags, to work at his, his fancy schmancy, uh, even actually back then it's not fancy schmancy, they're selling penny no. stocks, right. and he uses that to, to one of them and says, sell me this pen, and right. the guy, what I thought was great was, he, he does exactly <clears throat> the right thing, he says, okay, write your name down. And Belfort says, I don't have a pen. Is ah, now you need a pen. And he <laughs> says, create the need. Yeah. It's like, that's That character, the really one who died good. at 35. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Brad. Brad. That's right, the, the, the one who is openly a drug dealer. Yes, Brad, who I honestly thought, why are you taking so much crap from Jonah Hill's character? Mm. Why why have you not shot him? And, of course, it's it's... Seconds more, but he, he, he can't, Jonah Hill can't see murder three, three feet away from him. Um, Jonah Hill is an interesting ca case in this. He plays the same kind of character over and over again. Really? I saw a movie with him called War Dogs. I didn't see yeah. War Dogs. And it's the same thing. Again, a very, of someone who's very clever, who's, uh, who's, you know, knows how to make money, but is on some level out of his damn mind. See, because I mostly know him from Superbad, and he's not like that mm -hmm. at all. Or, or even Mega Mind, the animated uh, movie, where he plays the villain, in effect, Titan. And in that, he starts out as someone who's supposed to sort of be a nice, goofy guy. It turns out to be a monster. 
Hmm. And I, I, and this is, and this is the end, where he plays himself, and he plays him a lot like that. So I, I really wonder about him sometimes. I don't know if they're just really good at casting him, or if uh, he's that good an actor that he can come, he can come across that damaged. The only thing I noted because I haven't seen him in much of any. I think I've literally seen him twice. I well, I, Megamind, I forgot was he was there, mm-hmm. but. I've seen him in Superbad, and I've seen him in this. And the thing I couldn't help but mm-hmm. notice between the two films, two characters, were that both of them were presented as being potentially closet homosexual, or at least closet bisexual. Because in Superbad, you get the real mm-hmm. impression that he has a crush on Mike with Michael Sarah, And, he, of course, he draws mm-hmm. penises all the time, which, you know, kind of like, hey, big arrow homo over here. Uh, <laughs> and then this one... And this, he's he's like, oh yeah, we saw you at the Lollipop Club. Yeah, yeah, you were there, oh, you were there. Right. And you can tell there's some times when he's looking at other characters and it's like he's looking at them in a different way. So there's, oh. there's a hint there that he's at least interested. I don't think he, the character, and I'm just not saying this has anything to do with the real person, um, mm-hmm. but I would say that the character gives the impression that there's something going on there, but he'll probably never act on it that anyone else that he knows can see. Well, I thought it was just supposed to be a... a... A representation, another sort of symbol of excess that he wants to sleep with everybody. Um, I think the way that he denies it when when the mm. when the gay butler oh, okay. says, "We saw, I saw you there," I said, "He goes, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me," and all his friends are looking oh, at him, and he freaks out. And that's it's like right. well, the ultra homophobic response, right. which often is covering something up. Yeah, right. Yeah, I could see that. But just interesting that two of those two of the major characters he's played have had that in common. I don't think it means anything. I just thought it was interesting. I don't, I don't know. But that is that's an interesting point. So and when you talk about you were talking about excess and God, if this movie is about anything, it's about American excess. It's about oh my God, just the things ever he buys the hundred and seventy foot yacht. Yep. I, I do like when he presents the yacht to his wife. They suddenly cut to a clip of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, complete with Robin Leach doing the voiceover. Rich and famous. Oh, this bite's too big for any real person. But look, it's worth everything. Yeah, yeah. God, and he. You know, extended the deck so he could fit a helicopter on it. Yes. Got jet skis. The thing's an apartment building on the on the water. It's, everything he gets is... You know, everything everyone buys is so over the top. And so it's really like children yeah. who suddenly have all this money and can just buy all the toys they want. And it's, again, there's no class there. It's just big shiny thing go buzz buzz, you know, and that's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, couple other things i want to i want to get to before we get to the the final part of our show here Mm -hmm. one was did you feel that especially at at the motivational speaking times that stratford oakmont was kind of like being in a cult i could see that because there was a kind of cult of personality they all fed off uh uh, belfort's charisma and let's face it he has that right or i mean the character does i don't know about the actual person but he has tremendous presence and tremendous and you could tell People want to please him. They want to do what he wants. And they're afraid of upsetting him or getting them angry at him. And they would like uh, yeah, mo money. Mo money, please. More. Mo money. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's... You see, it's an interesting idea about the cult because he may be the prophet, but money is the god. Right. It's the whole point, as they say. It's not about getting your clients rich. It's about you making money. That's what you know, McConaughey tells him in the in the beginning. It was a remarkable thing, Matthew McConaughey's scene. Like you say, he's on screen for ten minutes and he disappears. That is the other the thing I wanted movie. to cover. Yep. Ah, let's go ahead. So Matthew he's McConaughey, wrong. you know, uh, 
how many times has he wandered into a movie and basically said, ah, yes, I'll take that. And then <laughs> leaves and he never really leaves because mm. he doesn't. He's there for 10 minutes and he's there in the beginning of the film and never shows back up. And yet, but his influence, you feel it all the way through. Yep. It's this echo, like the whole mm-hmm. pacing of what Belfort's doing. Like the only sort of little tolling that this is not Belfort doing on his own, that he didn't come up with all of this by himself, is McConaughey's character showing up and going, here's how you do it, and then doing it, and then leaving. Yeah. Um, he, and he's so good at it. He's he's usually plays such these mellow, laid-back characters. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> In this, he's got that... You get the feeling he's just about to explode yep. every second you see him. Just this unbelievable, barely-held-in energy. And he nails it. Yes. And, I, and you're right. It, it basically colors the whole movie. If I were an actor, the one person, one male actor I would never want to appear next to is Matthew McConaughey. Because he no. would just suddenly do something. It's, oh, it's his movie now. Okay. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, uh, nice scene. You don't mind if I take it, do you? Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, Leo does a great job in this film. But that scene, no one's looking at Leo. They're all looking at McConaughey. No. All of them. And it's... And it's astonishing because McConaughey is technically not considered his biggest star. No, as Leo, but he just—I swear to God—you can bear you barely remember Leo's in the scene. And it's not just because he doesn't doesn't talk that much. Mostly, what he's doing is listening, and he's handling that really well. Yes. You can tell yes. he's in awe of McConaughey. Yeah, but he just everyone else just fades into the background, and he's just like I I I know that a lot of the film was improvised, but I just have this feeling it's McConaughey. There's a script. It's like, oh, Mr. McConaughey, here's his... I don't need that. <laughs> you know, I, he just... He's one of those people that... And I don't like him in every role. I really don't. But he just gives the impression of one of those people that it just sort of happens. You know, there's mm-hmm. not study. There's not... There's no hair wringing. And maybe there is. And he's just even better at making us feel there isn't. But this film and... And, of course, we go all the way back to Days to Confuse, which he did the same goddamn thing. <laughs> Pardon my yeah. French. Uh, his part was nothing. It was literally one line, and then he was supposed to leave the film, and he drives in and does that all right, all right thing, and they're like, we need more of this character in the film. Yeah. That was it. He was nobody and, then. Nobody. And he walks away with the movie. Yes. He's the one everyone remembers. <laughs> if they remember when anybody. The... Yep. Yeah. So oh, so good. And then his his influence comes back. That whole chest pounding thing comes back yeah. two hours yeah. and 16 minutes into the film. Basically letting you know, oh yeah, we we know he's still here too. Yep, yep, he's Mm -hmm. colored this entire film, and we still have 45 minutes to go, but yep, that character. In real life, as it turns out, that Mm -hmm. character, uh, his name was Mark something, I don't remember his last name, actually hung around for two more years and bought 25% of Stratford Oatmont. So he was part of that. I I don't know why he got out when he did. Uh, Maybe he was that much smarter. But uh, yeah, they, they just left him off the we don't know what where he goes we don't know what happens and you feel the influence so much like the scene where um leo or <laughs> jordan starts doing the chest pounding and everyone in the office not only knows what he's doing but they know the the melody that he's humming or they pick it up and fast they enough. all start doing it with him yeah. and it really i i thought about cult-like but to me what it seemed like was like tribal or or really primitive yeah and a lot of what they do, a lot of the way these people behave, like when they get the subpoena and, and uh, Donnie gets up on the desk, 
puts it in a trash barrel and pees on it. Right. In front of the entire office. It's like, that's something a child would do. That's something like a completely uncivilized would you, creature would Would you do. say it's like a Lord of the Flies moment? A little bit. Yeah. Except there is a question of sort of devolving from civilization in Lord of the Flies. This is, these guys never got there. They just... They're, they just want to devour. They want more, and they want more, and they don't know why. They just think they should have it. Yeah. I think they got there. I don't think that's fair, because mm. they all came from somewhere else. And I think, in this case, they came from civilization, and they found mm. something they think is better. What they don't realize is that civilization is a lot bigger than they are, and eventually yeah. it's going to go, stop poking me. Stop poke. Stop <laughs> poking. All right, that's it. Mm. And There's it, always something bigger. Yep. One last thing I wanted to bring... One, yeah, one thing. The soundtrack I really liked. The way the dialogue would just suddenly... The scene would just slide into a song. Yeah. And all these 80s music. The one part that I thought was weird is when the FBI is busting their office and they're swarming in, they're playing this sort of punk version of Here's to You, Mrs. Robinson. Yes. The only thing I could figure... I read the credits. Did you see who performed it? I, I've heard it before. I think it's actually in a, a playlist of mine somewhere, but I forget. Who who was that? The Lemonheads. Oh, well, there you go. And now we have to yeah, wonder if wonder, that's not where that came from. I wonder if that was a callback to the drug, but it's such a strange choice. Yeah, but there, there's definitely that, especially when they do the whole seduction scene in The Graduate, and I don't know, I, I, I thought it was weirdly appropriate. Hmm. It worked. I just don't know why. And so much of the other stuff, I mean, starting out with Ian Dury and the Blockheads, which basically screams, 80s! Well, you know, there you go, it was 89, so... Yeah, yeah. No, I really liked the way they used it, it's just the way the songs just elided nicely into the scenes. They had a couple of tracks by Howlin' Wolf in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just, you know, dig, dig, get it, get it? It's like, okay. Now, I had to look that up because I didn't know Howlin' Wolf, but I thought it's like, oh, okay. Um, also, weirdly, we, we brought this up, uh, I believe it was for social... Network, I'm uh-huh. pretty sure. Yeah, so I think it was Social Network, where there was one of the characters was wearing that symbol, which you said was for, um, oh hi, ha, that's right, ha. the uh, yeah. And Brad was wearing it. Was I wrong? Wasn't that what he was wearing? Yeah, a lot of a lot of Jewish men wear that symbol. Was Brad Jewish? Um, I don't think so, but it also was just a very popular gold chain item. A lot of people wear these things without knowing what they mean. Which would of course make perfect sense for Brad because. You know. yeah. Brad did not strike me as terribly Jewish. No, I was. I thought he was supposed to be Italian, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that yeah, you can't be both. To... But... No, no. Sorry, I just like that one line about. Uh, oh, he was the one. He was like the one Asian character. Ming, yeah. Uh, Ming, <laughs> I saying yeah. He's talk, when Leo's talking about how uneducated these guys are, you know, Ming the and this is a quote. Sorry, the crazed Chinaman. Yeah. And he, he thinks jujitsu is in Israel. <laughs> Get it? I, Jew. I like, wow, that's, that's really good. I distinctly heard someone say just, jewelry. Jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> Max can say that because he's Jewish. I can. I'm allowed. I have a card. <laughs> so, uh, why mm. don't we head for the roundup uh, and yeah. uh, dis- decide if we like this film or not? The roundup. And here we are in the roundup. I'm going to go ahead and ask Yeehaw. you, Max, because I saw yep. this film first, so I get to do that. Max, did you mm-hmm. like this film? I did. I think it's, um, a, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I My first response is to say yes. No, I didn't like it in that it made me feel good. 
I mean, it, it, it does make you not just want to take a shower, but burn your clothes and leave the country. Yes. But it's it's an amazing film. It's really well done, and everybody in it is good. The the pacing, the soundtrack, the, the performances, it's, it's terrific. I think it's a really good movie. It's not a lot of fun, because it really... It doesn't pull punches. It shows you this culture of excess, and it does not hold it up as something to be admired. No, and it does not give you renewed faith in humankind. <laughs> no, it do not do that. It it does do some amazing things. It makes you, or I should say, it when you're watching it, it does all of the things you just said, holds up a magnifying glass, but it never really approves of it which mm. I think is really important. I think if at any point we were made to have empathy for these characters, and to be fair, there might be somebody in the audience who did, but mm-hmm. if we we know that if we do, that we're not on the right side. And that's capital R, capital S, right side. Mm-hmm. We are not good guys. This is, this is, and to be fair, humans get worse than this, far worse. We're not talking dictators. We're not talking mass murder or anything yes, like that. No genocide here. No, but... but it's like, hey, if you were allowed to be as horrible as you could be would you and the answer to this film is yes yes you could and i'm gonna agree i'm gonna agree wholehearted wholeheartedly with you in that i think it's very well done i don't think there's a weak performance in the film uh it is enjoyable it is very well oh there's that word enjoyable is it enjoyable Uh, it's yeah parts of it are parts of it are some of it there is a kind of schadenfreude and like you are kind of interested in what is it like to have that much money? What is it like to go out and buy anything you want, even if you don't think about it much or even if it doesn't make any sense? There's a kind of fascination about that. And the answer apparently is, it's horrible. But yeah, there yeah. you go. It doesn't make you a better person. Yeah. Not at all. The, the one thing I was a little sorry for is we don't see the effect of what he did on the victims. Nope. I mean, he took a lot of people's money... And sold them worthless stuff. Yep. He ruined a lot of people. Yep. We get nothing about that. No. Apparently he was supposed to give restitution. And he even said that he wants to give... And has has supposedly been giving restitution. Except apparently he actually Mm. didn't. Um, Yeah. uh, Big shock. Yeah. I mean, he says he's paid out $20 million. And one article I read said that he hadn't. Or at least he hasn't Mm. finished. I don't know. That being said, even if he did pay all those people back, which I doubt he ever would that this does not in any way make him a good person now so yeah. i think that we both feel that it was a very well-made film very well acted yep. film very well paced for three hours because dear gods i've mm. seen other films two and a half hours long blade runner 2049 i am looking straight at you don't try to hide dude we're looking right at your face oh boy it's like oh what time is it oh dear gods it's only been half an hour uh-huh. <laughs> and this film is not like that when i went to rent it it was. It said three hours. It's like, oh boy, I don't remember it being three hours. And now I remember why I don't remember it being three hours, if that makes any sense. Mm. So, and for me anyway, is it worth seeing again? Yes, but put a number of years between viewings. You want to forget yeah. this film. You don't. You have to detoxify a little bit. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because when you get back to it, then you're like, oh right, horrible, horrible, terrible people, and. <laughs> The nice thing, again, is that you're not made to like them. So that works Mm. out well. So there you go. We have Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, I would say one of Scorsese's, of his, the ones I've seen, I should say, top five films. 
Um, maybe. I mean, he's got so many, especially of the earlier ones, but I would put it certainly in the top ten. Okay. Uh, a really good performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. I think a mm. very good performance by Jonah Hill. He deserved more than yeah. 60K for that. Um, I'm sorry, what was her name again? Roby? Margot Robbie. Roby, Robbie. Uh, mm-hmm. Great performance by her. Um, heck, really good performance by Meathead. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mr. Reiner. Oh, uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know. <laughs> so, and worth a second viewing just with some time. Mm. Some time to yeah. breathe and time to heal. <laughs> any any final points for you, Max? Nope, I think we've covered everything. So, and you know, the one thing we have not done, we have not worked on the closing of our show. So here's where no, we, we stumble we through the last few seconds of Max Mike uh, movies. We, uh, we, we do... G- goodbye! Um, <laughs> we thank you all for tuning in. We're going to go away now. Both of you. And maybe in a week we'll do some more. Right, so <laughs> thus ends another episode of Max Mike movies. For Max Mike movies, this is Mike. And Max. Saying goodbye and good luck. Good movies. Good movies. Hey folks, want to watch ahead? Next week, Max and Mike will be talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. Same bat time, same bat channel. Catch it! Want to contact us? You can find our episodes online at MaxMikeMovies.com or follow our Twitter feed at MaxMikeMovies. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.